Hello and welcome to the Dynamic Leaders Podcast, part of the Talent 409 Leadership Academy Network. I am your host, Colin Cernelia, and thank you for joining us today. Please head over to talent409.com to learn more about how we can help your team or organization with their leadership and culture development. This podcast is available on Spotify, YouTube, iTunes, Apple Podcasts, and wherever else you listen to your favorite podcast. And don't forget, you can now ask Alexa to play your favorite Apple Podcasts on any Amazon-enabled device. Just say, Alexa, play the Dynamic Leaders Podcast. Getting Dynamic Leaders with Colin Trinidad from Apple Podcasts. And before this episode begins, please consider taking a minute and leaving us a rating and review. Doing this helps other dynamic leaders find us, and it helps us find other dynamic leaders. On to my featured guest today, where I had the opportunity to speak with Renee Washington. Renee is a reporter for ESPN and Fox Sports, as well as the host of the Beyond the Headlines podcast with Renee Washington. In addition to her work with ESPN and Fox Sports, Renee is a model, motivational speaker, and author. She was a three-time All-American soccer player at LaSalle University, and she played professionally for Sky Blue FC. Talk about diversity. Renee is a true Jill of all trades. This is such an enjoyable conversation, so let's dive right into it and let's discover our talent altitude. Here is my talk with Renee Washington. Today, my guest on the line is Renee Washington. Renee, thank you so much for joining the show. Thank you for having me, Colin. It's a pleasure. Absolutely. I am thrilled to finally be able to do this and get you on. You are going to be one of the most professional speakers that I've ever had come onto this podcast. So uh, I, I won't have to do too much editing, which will be nice, but <laughs> we'll, we'll get into all that here in, in a little while and let you tell people about your background. But before we get started, one of the reasons that folks come and listen to this podcast is because they want to discover their talent altitude. They want to stress as leaders, they want to grow. And I'm curious from your perspective and your experiences just being around so many different leaders in athletics and in your profession now, what are one or two attributes or traits that really stand out to you for leaders that go the extra mile? That is a great question. Well, I think first and foremost, in order to go the extra mile, you have to be willing to take risks. And I think what separates people that are mediocre so to speak versus people that are able to accomplish really great things is and I'm not talking about risks that don't make sense but you know when you prepare yourself when you are constantly doing the right things learning growing networking having the right conversations with people you know perfecting your craft there's going to be a point in your life where you're going to have to take that leap of faith into something this is like the unknown sure you know there's never a perfect perfectly paved next step for you that's like okay you completed level a now move on to level (laughs) b in life like that doesn't happen so you have to be willing to sometimes 
take that risk of, you know what, I've done all the work, I'm ready to make the move to, to, to progress, whether it's a career or even if it's just, you know, as, a, as an athlete, I had to deal with that. As a coach, as a student, you have to deal with that. You know, there are going to be times where you have to kind of go against the norm and, and take that step. And then also having the confidence and knowing that you've put in the work. You know, you, you've spent hours studying, you've spent hours researching or whatever else, depending on whatever your um, ambitions may be, to understand that you're ready for this. You know, because I, I think a big part of any next step in life is having the mentality for it, the right attitude for it. Because you can be as skilled as they come and be perfect for, for an opportunity, but if you don't have the right mindset and don't believe in yourself, none of that really matters. So I, I think for me personally, it's having the right mindset and approach to things as well as knowing when to take that risk and that leap of faith are two really big ones along with things like you know having a really good support system in case you do fail or even a good support system to encourage you. There are a lot of aspects that you have to really be willing to be more than just average in whatever your, you know, your craft is. I love that. And I love how you made the comparison almost to a video game. And it's so funny that yeah. <laughs> our generation and generations now that are growing up are so accustomed to video games and having certain levels and unlocking those steps to exactly. continue to advance whatever type of game it is. And you're right. Life doesn't work that way. And you do need to be able to take risks and develop that confidence to get to that point where you can do that to make some leaps. And we're definitely going to talk about that in a little bit more depth later in the conversation. But before we get too far away from everything, I do want to give you a little bit of an opportunity here to tell the listening audience a bit about yourself. So please tell us, who are you? Oh, where do I begin? <laughs> so I am currently a sports reporter, writer, host, anchor, whichever title you prefer to use. I cover college and professional sports through Fox Sports and ESPN+. Plus. I write for an outlet called Belly Up Sports. I actually just joined them. I'm in the process of some other um, new changes, I guess you can say, becoming an in-arena host for LaSalle men's basketball games is one of the things on the on the uprise or on the horizon, I guess you can say. But I also, uh, I model, and I'm a former three-time All-American soccer player. So I played soccer in college. I played a little bit professionally before I started coaching Division One soccer at Lehigh University, where I got my master's. And through one of my many leaps of faith, transitioned from being in college athletics as a coach to getting into college and professional athletics as a player. I mean, as a reporter, excuse me. <laughs> so I've, I've worked in all aspects of sports, you know, from playing at a high level, coaching at a high level, and now fortunately had the opportunity to be a broadcaster at a high level. So, so me in a, in a nutshell, it wasn't... It's not that linear. It's not that clean. But, um, you know, there are a lot of gray areas in there, a lot of moments of confusion and trying to figure out what's next. But that's my uh, resume for you, so to speak. <laughs> yeah. So obviously it's pretty sports and athletics heavy, if you will. And uh, it seems like that's been a part of your background for a long time. And you mentioned playing competitive college soccer and being a three-time All-American. Can you talk to us a little bit about your upbringings just in terms of, did you just play soccer? Did you specialize in that? Did you play other sports? What was it like when you were growing up before you got to college? Yeah, so I had three siblings and we all played sports growing up. My parents played sports. My dad played professionally overseas, professional basketball. So we grew up playing basketball, soccer, and running track. Um, I actually ran track as well in college, so I was a two-sport athlete, but it wasn't nearly as competitive as and um, 
successful, I guess you can say, as soccer. So for me, like myself and one of my older sisters, we played college soccer. My other sister and my brother played basketball. So we all played multiple sports growing up. But of course, once we got to the highest level, we refined what we were doing. And for me, it made more sense to play soccer. I mean, I loved playing basketball. I loved I didn't love running track, but I enjoyed running track. <laughs> um, but I, for me, soccer was something that that was that was my passion playing, and you know, it's something that growing up we would always play in the backyard, in the, in our in our garage, in our basement, in our living room, wherever we could play, we were always playing any type of game around sports, whether we were playing horse in the driveway or whether we were kicking balls against our couch in the living room. You know, that's something that I know was a big part of my upbringing. So I I look at, like, a lot of youth athletes that are trying to figure out how to be successful. And you have to love the game, you know. And that goes for anything you're doing. You have to love what you're doing because then it doesn't feel like work. So, like, growing up and playing all the time, it never felt like work. You know, I would get home from two or three practices on the, or games, whatever, and play some more in my backyard. You know, it was just something that I always enjoyed doing, and that's, you know, when I when I think about broadcasting, for me, it's that same sort of passion and fire that I felt as a kid playing, you know, and growing up with my siblings playing. So that was sports has been my whole life. And that's been everything that I am about. <laughs> so I would not trade it for the world. <laughs> yeah, that's that's great. That's really awesome that you've found something that. Uh, when you were growing up, it was something that fulfilled you and you really loved it. And now you've been able to translate that into a professional career and extend that love and that passion that you have for something that's been close to you for so long. Like not, not everybody's as lucky to be able to do that. So I think it's really cool when you're able to make that transition away from maybe the grind in the competition of actually playing, but also get to still stay around it and be around it as much as you are. So before we talk a little bit more about your professional career, I do want to talk about your collegiate career. So you go play college soccer, as you mentioned, at LaSalle University. And from what I read, it looks like you were part of a program that was trailblazing and was setting standards that may be a part of the program now, but weren't necessarily there when you got there. During your time there, you made the first ever conference and NCAA attorney appearances. So in my mind, that I see that as, as being somebody that's setting a standard and being somebody that came in and said, okay, this is what it was, but this is what we know we can be. And you got to that point. Was it, am I on to something with that? Absolutely. And that's, that's exactly it. I mean, my freshman year, we actually made history because we made the um, Atlantic 10 tournament and reached the quarterfinals. That at the time was, was a milestone that we, I'm sorry, the semifinals, that we went farther than anybody else had gone. And then my sophomore year was the beginning of a complete change in the program where we made our first ever NCAA tournament. We went undefeated for the majority of the season and unscored on in the majority of the season. So we actually said we were the last scored upon team in all of NCAA uh, women's soccer across all divisions, D1, D2, and D3. Um, because we were deep into October before we gave up our very first goal. So every other game was a shutout and a win prior to that. And then um, we did actually win our first ever conference title. So I, you know, we went on to make three total NCAA appearances. We won two conference tournaments. Unfortunately, we didn't win my sophomore year. But, you know, I was a part of something something new. And I was I was fortunate to be a part of a change in, in the program that, 
went from being an average, you know, mid-major, mid-conference program to being a, a team that was honestly on the national radar. You know, we were we were in the conversation with with top teams in the country. I, you know, myself individually had some some great national honors. Um, of course, All American being one of them, but as a team collectively, we did as well. And so, you know, I'm very fortunate because that's something that going into from high school to college sports was really big for me. I mean, my high school program was really was really big as well. We were number one in the country. We were undefeated. So I wanted to be a part of something that was great. You know, and and I I was heavily recruited by programs like UConn and Georgetown and top programs. But for me, I wanted to go somewhere that a I could play because it's you know, going into college, I didn't know what was next for me after college. You know, I wanted to assume I'd play professional soccer. I did have a chance to, to, to get into that. But I knew that this four years was the only thing that was guaranteed. You know, and I wanted to make sure that if I did not play after, I was able to play and enjoy as much as possible the four years that I had. So looking at LaSalle and, and looking at what they could help bring for me, it was it was a great fit at the time. You know, it made sense to be able to be a part of a program that was on the rise and help pave the way for, for the future. So was that something in your recruiting process where you were able to identify, like how, how did you know that that was going to be the fit that you could see that it was a program on the rise, even though they may have not necessarily had the success that they had wanted to that point. Like, how did you know you were going to put yourself into a situation where the people that you were surrounded with, your teammates were going to buy into the same level of support and the same types of goals and aspirations that you had, again, not knowing if there's going to be another step after this, like this might be the last stop. Honestly, that was in itself a leap of faith because I was being recruited by, I mean, I, I looked at a variety of schools and that's something I always tell anyone that is going through the college process. Don't just have all big name schools because you never know where you're going to end up, you know? And for me, I, I was looking at some D3 schools, some top D3 programs, and I was in all my conversations, you know, everyone's given their sales pitch. You know, they're all telling you why you'd be a good fit for their program, the plans for the program, who's on their schedule, about the recruiting class. And, and I saw that the, recruit, the senior class that would have been graduating, that graduated the year before I came in, a number of them were leaving. So it was really a leap of faith because they were talking about bringing in a whole new class. So I had about eight, there were eight of us, and there were about nine graduating seniors. So it, it wasn't like I was coming into something where there was a, a big group of youth that were talented and I was adding to that. Now, there were a number of talented underclassmen, do not get me wrong. You know, that was the big foundation from our goalie all the way through. Um, there were a number of great players that were still in the program that played with me for two years, three years, whatever it may be. But honestly, it just I, I look back, I'm not even sure why fully. You know, I, at, at the time, it made sense. And hearing what they were what they were changing to become versus some of the other programs. It also made sense for me academically, the location. Like there were a lot of different factors that went into it. When I look at, you know, how did they train? How did they play? What was their schedule like? What was the coach's mentality? What was the how close, you know, where was the campus located? Where what were the academics like? I still don't even remember why I picked uh, communication as my major, but I'm thankful that I did. And I still don't fully remember why people sat versus the other schools, but I'm thankful that I did. You know, but it was just honestly that you come to those moments and I talk about those risks where it's like, OK, you know what you're saying? You're, here's a, an, a challenge to come and be a part of something great. And that's something the coaches pitch that I and my class would be a part of a change to be more successful. 
And I took that chance and it paid off, you know, and I, I don't know that that it was just luck as well, but it, we struck lightning in a bottle, you know, and that's something that we were able to become the first in, in many areas for LaSalle women's soccer. And it's just, it paid off, but I don't really, I don't really know. Like I, I don't really remember. It was kind of like when you shop for a prom dress and you just, you realize like, Oh, this is the one, this is the good, this is the best fit for me, you know? And it, it wasn't the most talented program. It wasn't the best campus. It wasn't the, you know, but it had the best of everything. You know, some of, your, some of the schools lack some things, but LaSalle had everything that I was looking for at the time. So I realize I'm asking you some questions that are making you dig a little bit deep. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, because I graduated five years ago, so you're taking me back like a decade, so <laughs> it's all good. <laughs> well, so I'm curious, you have a really great perspective on your experience. Like, it seems like you obviously enjoyed it and you had some individual and team successes. So I'm curious as to if you can narrow down from a team perspective and from a coach perspective, like the biggest factor on each side that led to that success where you were winning, but you also had that fulfillment and that happiness because it's, I think in, and you've alluded to this, it's one thing to win or to be at a big program, but it's another thing to be happy with your decision and to grow as a person. And that from what I've heard from you is what you got out of that experience there. So are there one or two factors from a team and a coaching perspective that really stand out to you about your time there? I look at my experience at LaSalle and I always tell people like I wouldn't trade it for the world because it, it helped make me who I am today. But I can't say that it, it was all flowers and sunshine. You know, there were, there was a lot of tough things that I went through and a lot of adversity and challenges that I overcame. But for me, what made it, what made it the right fit when I look back on it, it helped really prepare me for the, for the real world. Mm-hmm. You know, it helped me aside from my success in soccer. And, and of course, growing up, I was just having this conversation with someone else. When you are an athlete and you're playing sports your entire life, um, as a child, that's all you think about, you know, that's all that you think your life is about. But now I realize my career as an athlete really was just to prepare me for my real purpose as a broadcaster. And as someone that's giving back to the next generation, I, I coach youth soccer too. So like, I feel like my, what I took from my time at LaSalle is more about how it helped shape me for my future and my real purpose. I had, fortunately, some really great friends that I met when I was there that are still my best friends to this day. You know, I had a, a coaching staff and teammates that we were, we were all on the same page and like-minded and that we were all ambitious and competitive and wanted to win games. And it was, we had a saying, team first, last, and always. You know, but I think the biggest thing that I take from my experience there is through the ups and the downs, you know, the success and the moments that I was failing or, or felt like I could just couldn't do anything right or the moments that were most challenging to me and stressful, you know, all that as a whole is what made me who I am. You know, it's not just the fact that I was an All-American. It's not just the fact that, you know, I had academic success and athletic success and all that. What made me who I am is the fact that all of that helped to teach me about so many aspects of life, about overcoming adversity, about dealing with challenges, about how to be successful. You know, what does that really look like? I had been successful prior to college. I was, you know, a player of the year and I received accolades and things as an honor roll student. But, you know, when you're in college and in that type of environment, it forces you to really grow up. And that's what I, I had to do in my four years. I had to really grow up and learn a lot about myself. 
So when I look back, that's the biggest thing I take from my coaches, from my, my teammates, is that it forced me to take a hard look in the mirror at really who I am and the type of person that I want to be in life personally and also to give back and to grow and, and, and be successful in my career. Thank you for that. And again, I really love that perspective that you just gave because a large amount of us that were former athletes, and I'm pairing myself into this, even though I wasn't nearly as successful as you were, but you're still an athlete. (laughs) (laughs) Yes. Yes. I'd like to think that I had some level of success, but you and I, we've gotten to the point where we've been able to have that realization, right? Where we saw that what we learned through competition actually prepared us for life after Mm -hmm. sport. One of the aspects and, and the reason that I'm highlighting this is because one of the aspects that people come to this podcast for is to learn how to get through that transition, that gray area that you had mentioned a little bit earlier in the conversation. And I think what you just outlined will be a great reminder for people who listen to this conversation to dig deep and realize that if they're feeling down or if they're not as confident as they might want to be at that point in their life that they've probably learned a lot more lessons than they they maybe ever considered through mm-hmm. athletics and through competition. So take a look back, take a step back and consider everything that you went through, the good, the bad, the adversity, and you just really come out a well-rounded person through athletics. And I think that's one of the most powerful elements that you just outlined for us. So again, thank you so much for that perspective. No problem. And I really, I really just feel like if life is if everything is easy and everything's always going your way, you're not, you're not really being prepared. You're not really being tested. And your character is, in my opinion, you grow the most in your character and figuring out your identity in those challenging moments. And so, you know, I've, I've dealt with a lot in my life, you know, whether it's because I'm a female, because I'm in sports, because I'm, you know, I'm, I'm a black woman, you know, whatever it may be, whatever aspects it may be, or even just dealing with things like injuries. You know, like, how do you deal with an injury? How do you come back from a swollen, sprained ankle? You know, think those are those all those moments kind of come together and not just in athletics I'm, that I'm talking about in life as a whole that you deal with. Those are the best moments to, that are defining for your future and in your character. Hey, everyone. Christine here from Sweat with Stods, one of this show's sponsors. The Dynamic Leaders podcast is here to help you be a better leader. And the best leaders take care of themselves both mentally and physically. I'm here to help on the physical side by making fitness accessible to everyone. As a certified personal trainer with years of experience coaching fitness classes, I've designed programs that can be followed at home and in the gym. These are intelligently structured programs, giving you a plan to follow to help you be successful. Build strength with my Get Strong at Home program, get quick results with Hit at Home 1 or 2, or work on your health outside of fitness with my Healthy Habits program. As a listener, you can get these programs at a discounted rate by entering code DYNAMIC at checkout. That's D-Y-N-A-M-I-C at checkout. So head on over to sweatwithstods.com. That's sweatwithstods.com to take the next step toward achieving your health and fitness goals today. You finish up your collegiate career and you decide that you wanted to go for your master's was coaching like something that you always wanted to pursue did you think that that was going to be the next chapter and a long chapter in your life well junior year of my of uh, when I was at LaSalle was when I fully fully remember having a conversation with my roommate like I want to be a sports reporter 
And my my concentration was actually public relations, and my double minor was in Spanish and psychology. So I wasn't like everything I had done, all my internships and everything had been geared towards PR and more marketing. So I felt like I, and this is, I always tell people, it was such a young mindset. I felt like it was too late for me. Like I felt like I had missed the boat because my classmates were all getting internships at ABC and NBC and wherever else, CBS, and I was getting internships, you know, at PR firms. So when I had the opportunity to get my master's degree, it was a chance for me to coach and, and see what that was about. You know, I had known the coaches at Lehigh. We played against them every year I was at LaSalle. The Lehigh assistant, Amy Huff, was actually my assistant coach. Like, she coached me at LaSalle my freshman year, so I knew her very well. And so it was a chance for me to kind of take two more years, get another degree, but also to just to figure out the next step for me. And I was very open from the beginning. Like, I'm, I'm interested, I was interested in figuring out what college coaching was all about, but it wasn't my passion. And part of that two-year experience that I was there actually helped me to to confirm that this really is not for me. It is fun. I enjoyed it. I really I really loved my time at Lehigh. I really did love college coaching. But I just, in the, that two years, was able to realize, you know, part of learning is also learning what you don't want to do. You know, it's not just learning what you want to do and who you are, but it's learning what you don't want to do. And that was the moment I was like, okay, I can definitely cross this off as something that I, I don't really see myself doing. I had the opportunity to become a full-time assistant coach there and, and the first assistant, actually. but turned it down for my leap of faith into broadcasting. And so I think that two years was really a chance for me to, I was in a new area. I, I was in Bethlehem, Pennsylvania. And I then started getting into freelance writing. I started working at the Lehigh Sports Media Department with their athletics, doing camera work, doing editing. You know, I, that was where I really started focusing like, okay, if I'm going to make this jump, I've got to put in the work. So during that two years, I honestly just hustled and, and found as many opportunities to get my foot in the door. I started applying everywhere for jobs just to get into sports media and somehow or even just news. And it paid off. So, again, another opportunity that, like, when I tell people I was a, I was a grad assistant and coached college soccer, it doesn't really fit in, in the scheme of things. But it does because <laughs> it, it was two years that I was able to continue to learn. And honestly, I learned so much about myself, had some incredible courses. My master's degree was actually in educational leadership, so even more far-fetched. <laughs> but it was leadership in yourself, in small groups, in, you know, not specifically classroom-based education. But a lot of those same things I actually learned then, I still take with me today as a youth soccer coach, as someone that's heavily involved in, like, nonprofit work. And even in leading as a, as a, what I try to be as a sports reporter to help inspire other, other reporters. So yeah, it was, it was quite a two years, but it was definitely, definitely a step that I needed. Okay. So before we dive totally into your career now, when you decided or not decided, but you got an opportunity to play professional soccer and you played for Sky Blue FC and mm-hmm. did that did that come after the two years at Lehigh or did that come sometime? Gotcha. Yeah. So there's so after I graduated, I graduated in 2014 and that spring, actually, because the way that the NWSL works is the season is through is in the summer. So preseason is actually around like February, March. So I finished up my fall season and then was training in February and, and everything heavily. 
for um, preseason, which was early March is when you start having that. And I was invited into preseason with Sky Blue. And from, you know, the next, for the next couple months, I, I was just heavily focused on that. But it actually, in that time again, was, was a moment where I realized I love soccer and I love, I love playing, but it's time for me to hang up my cleats. You know, and it, I, I had the opportunity to stay on with Sky Blue, and, and but I, it was not for me at that point. You know, I had, my career had run its course. I had been, dealt with some injuries and some other things, and I was kind of drained <laughs> and mentally and physically and was ready to, to make that next step. And I had already been offered the opportunity to coach at Lehigh. They were actually going to work with me so I can continue to play and coach, but I decided that it was time for me to make a move in my career. And so I solely got into working with Lehigh and broadcasting versus trying to squeeze in playing, coaching, and getting into broadcasting. So yeah, it was the summer, like the spring and summer of 2014. And then I started with Lehigh August of 2014, officially, technically, as a grad assistant for two years. So you have all these confirmations as to what you don't want to do, and it's leading <laughs> you towards this aspiration that you have to get into sports reporting and still be around the game, but maybe not necessarily in the way that you would have been as a coach and certainly weren't as a player. My question for you, so <laughs> I will preface this and then I will ask probably the simplest <laughs> question that I could ask. I've had a number of people who work in sports come on the podcast uh, a good chunk of them are coaches, uh, but there's been others who are in some type of maybe like ticket sales or they're doing sponsorships. And there's a lot of, obviously there's a lot of behind the scenes types of jobs and careers that you can have in sports that aren't necessarily the anchor on ESPN or the sideline reporter or something like that. That's I guess like just traditionally what you see when you're growing up, maybe not so much now in the social media world, but like when I was growing up, that's, that was what I thought of when people said working in sports, it was like, okay, go work for ESPN, be a, be a reporter. <laughs> now that I have somebody who's a reporter on the podcast, I would just simply like to know what's it like. <laughs> I, I was curious where you were going with that. Um, <laughs> I, I love it, honestly. And Something that I really look to do is constantly make sure that I'm expanding who I am as a sports reporter, because also, as you mentioned with, with social media and everything, the landscape of, of who we are as sports reporters is constantly changing. So I know that like what my dream job may have been 10 years ago is going to be different than what it is going to actually be 10 years from now, because... The way that we get our news, especially our sports news, is just always, always changing with social media, with apps, whatever else. So I'm always constantly reinventing and trying to expand who I am, which is why I do work in so many aspects. Writing, I have my own podcast, I do, you know, I host, I do anchor, whatever, whatever roles I can get into because each of them are so different, but they each bring something unique and exciting. So I love the rigor of working in sports. You know, it's, it's fast paced. Every day is different. I, I cannot even tell you, like, my schedule for tomorrow. Like, every day is, is constantly is, is different than the one before. And there are no two days that are the same. <laughs> it's like a snowflake. So, for me, that's something that when I was even looking to get into it, I realized it has everything that I want. I don't want to sit at a desk 9 to 5, Monday to Friday. I don't want to have, like, this cliche 
um, mundane job where everything is the same types of roles and responsibilities. You know, some days I might be out covering a college football game and the next I might be out, you know, hosting or a show or something. You know, it just everything is so different. And especially where I'm at right now in my career, I don't just have one job. You know, I, I jokingly say, I don't know how many jobs I actually do have, but <laughs> I don't have just one job. So I'm constantly all over the place, which is for me in, in this point of my career, kind of where I'm at, where I'm not entry level anymore, but I, I haven't made it yet to, you know, the mainstream ESPN sports center that I would like to get to. So I'm, I'm in the, the hustle and grind mode of just working multiple jobs and covering. I was fortunate to cover the Washington Mystics this past summer, and I'm fortunate to now have my own podcast through Fox Sports, you know, so it's just, it's very fun because you get to have great conversation, meet good people, and, you know, still get, for me, that same adrenaline rush I got as a player. Absolutely. So one of the aspects that you highlighted is the great conversations that you get to have with people in the industry. And I'd have to imagine that having those conversations requires a good deal of preparation on your end maybe not you know fully scripted so it's not robotic but you have to be able to know what you're talking about know who you're talking to can you talk to us a little bit about the preparation process and how that allows you to build relationships with the people that you interact with for sure for sure it's something that um i remember someone when i i always like to listen to people's journeys and like what any tips and advice they may have. So something that came up with a conversation is just that when you're working in, whether it's sports or news, because I did work in news for a short time and figured out also that's not what I want to do. Um, but when you're working in, in any sort of journalism role, you know, you're, you have to always be preparing. And that's something I jokingly tell my family. I'm like, I feel like I'm always on. I'm never like off duty. And so I, I found different ways to simplify that. So it's not like, Okay, every morning I don't get up and, and spend two hours reading up on the latest things that have happened. But what I do instead is I am subscribed to so many different outlets through social media and apps that I'm constantly getting updates. So when breaking news happens or something may happen, like I just got a report that Dak Prescott wasn't able to practice. You know, he's, he's still having some some issues with his arm. So like I'm constantly getting updates on what's going on. So what I do instead is, when I get these notifications, just, you know, whether it's heavily reading the article or just kind of glancing through what's going on, I try to make sure that I'm always in the know. And for me, soccer, basketball, football, college, professional, you know, the different levels, it's, it's a lot of information. But because I try, I try to stay involved consistently, it, it makes it a lot easier. So it's not like I have to go and let's say I'm having a conversation on the NFL this upcoming week. I don't need to go and research everything that happened last week. And like, I already know what's going on. So now instead I can maybe focus more on deeper information like numbers and statistics or specific quotes, those specific tidbits of information that can help strengthen the conversation or the discussion or the interview to make it to show that I know that I, that I've done the research. So I always, I always look at it like you can't just prepare for, the upcoming interview that you may have, you should always be preparing. So now when you have that interview, so let's say you and I are having a conversation, now I can maybe focus on fine-tuning some some knowledge and information for you. But something I try not to do is even I, I'm constantly keeping mental notes of things. So now when we have a conversation, I don't need to read a script or, you know, regurgitate facts from a piece of paper. I can just have an actual conversation because I've had 
the preparation and now the confidence to be able to fully talk to you, you know? So it's something that like, I think for me, what I've learned is just to stay, stay up to date on everything, even entertainment and music. You know, I, I try to stay up to date on everything that is going on. So now I can easily transition into an interview or conversation. I love how you have found ways to simplify a profession that isn't as simple as people make it out to be. <laughs> right. Uh, I, I know from my personal experience, actually one of the first times I, I realized just how difficult doing something like this was, I was listening to Dan Labatard's radio show and he must have had somebody call in and say that they could do a better job than he could. So him and Stugatz do this whole bit where they have people call in and try to run the show and they were just really, really bad. And it was around the time where I was thinking about doing my podcast and I, I'm in the car listening to this. And I said to myself, God, can I really do this? Like I was in HR, I was in recruiting. I had done a lot of interviews, but I'd never been behind a mic before. And I'd never really had a deep conversation like this before. And I've learned now over the course of a year and a half, how to be less robotic, how to prepare less, but still be prepared, if that makes sense. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. <laughs> and uh, it's, it is, uh, it's amazing all the, the little tricks that you just described that can make your job and your life a little bit easier because I can't even imagine just the easy access, but the pace that everything changes these days, it's just got to make everything so difficult. So really just want to commend you for being able to do a great job with that and, and highlight all of that. Um, oh, thank you. Yeah, yeah. So uh, a little bit more uh, about the profession. and <laughs> You don't need to give away any names, but I'm curious if you've ever had like a, a difficult encounter with somebody, like some, whether it was they just didn't want to offer up any information, uh, the questions that you were asking, or they were just not really good uh, with the microphone. Have you ever been in a situation like that, like live on air where you've had to, I don't know, maybe prop them up a little bit in order to make it something that people can listen to? Oh, that happens a lot. Now, at first I thought you meant a difficult encounter, like somebody was mean. <laughs> like I reached out to someone and they weren't very nice, but um, actually I, I have had to deal with some tough interviews in general on and tough and tough conversations, especially when I was working in high school sports. Um, but even at the collegiate level and the professional level, you'll still get people that, um, they're, they're tougher to interview because they just don't know what to say. Mm-hmm. And I try to always, 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 um, make sure that it's very conversational. I'm not asking you trick questions. I'm not asking you for like specific <laughs> numbers or stats. You know, it's more about what, what you sharing your perspective. So I've, I've learned how to kind of, how to try to work around that. And I'm not saying I'm perfect at it by any means, but you know, I did have those interviews early on where I was like, good. Yes. Yeah. Well, you know, it was good. Like those types of answers. I'm like, okay. So (laughs) what I, what I've tried to do to work around that is prior to any interview, whether it's even just for a couple minutes, just to have a conversation with the person. A lot of times people are very nervous and they'll know exactly what they want to say. And they'll be extremely knowledgeable about it because they live it. But once the mic is on or the lights and cameras are on them, they get nervous. And that's natural. Not everybody, you know, as you know, it is a lot tougher once the mics are rolling and the cameras are rolling. So I try to always have a conversation. Let them know all the information. This, if, it, if it's live, it's pre-recorded, if we can edit it. It's always key, in my opinion, to tell people, like, you know, we can edit this. So, so no pressure at all. <laughs> Just because mentally knowing that, like, you know, everything you say doesn't have to be used. Some things can be, you know, removed. 
I feel like gives them a level of comfort. Sure. Um, as well as even just having a conversation on like, you know, how, how was their trip to the studio or what's, how's their day going? Like just to make them less nervous instead of have a seat, cameras are on, let's go, you know, <laughs> try to, try to like ease them in like a warm up period, almost ease them into it. And then I always try to make sure that the questions that I'm asking are open-ended questions. So they're, they're providing some sort of information. So whether I'm, Usually I'll read a, a statistic or a quote or whatever it may be to give them that background knowledge of what I'm looking for. And I've actually tried to tee up the questions in a sense to kind of lead them so they don't have to think. They can just, just answer based on what they feel or what they've seen or what they know. So instead of asking, you know, oh, you know, great win. How, how did it feel? Or, what you know, what's it feel like? Oh, it feels good. No, like, tell us a little bit deeper, you know, when, when the, the buzzer goes off and the confetti drops and you're hoisting up the trophy, what's going through your mind at that time, you know, that your work is now all done and you have completed what you set out to do this season? Like, something more detailed than just a yes or no or good question. Right. So, I try to make it really conversational. I always advise people, it should feel like a conversation. You shouldn't feel like you're being interviewed, you know? It should feel like you're just talking with your best friend about what whatever happened. I love that. And Renee, I have a few more questions here before we let you go. First is just to wrap up the loop on being a reporter and just being in the the type of roles that you are. I know obviously wearing many different hats and like you said, you're not really sure sometimes what to call what you do. But if there's somebody who's listening to this conversation today and they're thinking about getting into this industry and into this profession – What's one of the first steps or what's one of the biggest pieces of advice that you can give that person to get them started on a, on a good path towards this journey? I don't know if I can just give one, so maybe I'll give like two. Um, (laughs) (laughs) I would say one thing that that's really key is networking is huge. Having conversations. Most people like to talk about themselves, like to talk about their journeys. So it's very easy actually to, to have somebody, especially over the phone, Emailing is tough. Like, I can't type out my journey to over an email or a text. <laughs> Pick up the phone and have a conversation. Schedule to have a conversation with someone just to hear about their journey. And that in itself will open up the door for future conversations, for, for you know, to get to know them more, to get to know, you know, get advice from them or things like that. But don't, I think a lot of people seek out, it's too close-minded. Like, what did you do? How did you, how did you get there? Can you get me a job? How can you help me get a job instead of like, no, how, you know, tell me about yourself. And I feel like when you go to people with a handout, you're going to lose so many people. Mm-hmm. You know, you have to take time to really connect with people because in this industry, there's a lot about who you know. And now you have references, colleagues, mentors, people that can speak on your behalf, which goes a long way. And then also, I would say, um, to use the tools that you have accessible. So, what I did personally, and this everyone's different, but I started just creating my own website, my own YouTube channel. So through that, I was able on my website to connect all my social media, all my work, everything that, that I've ever done in coaching, playing, modeling, reporting, whatever, is all on my website. It is like my, my career on a, on a website. And so now I can give that to people and say, hey, you know, you can check out more information on, if you want to see my reel, if you want to read up on my articles, whatever. A, it shows that you've done the work, you've invested time. You know, that's not a quick thing to do. It took me a very long time to build that. But also it just gives people something to see. And I think your work 
only will speak for you know your your personality I should say will speak for itself but now if you can provide people with ways to actually easily see your work so I even built a YouTube channel I didn't have any content but I started just making videos on my phone talking about I remember I recapped the NCAA championship game that Villanova men's basketball team won the first championship they won a couple years back and I was just talking about that you know just just getting comfortable being in front of the camera so it benefits the fact that like you're now creating content and then also you're putting something out about yourself that's starting conversation. I was sharing that on social media. And then it also gets you comfortable putting your face and your, and your work out there because that's a big part of it. Like I, it took me a while to be comfortable letting my work go. You know, I was like, I don't know if I'm ready to publish this. I don't know if I'm ready to send it in yet, but you have to be comfortable, like understanding it's never going to be perfect. And at some point it's got to be put on the screen. So I would say build up, Whatever, whatever platform you use, it could be a podcast, a YouTube channel, you can blog if you want to get into writing, whatever aspect you can use. There are so many free tools out there that can help you grow and then networking, which is also free. So it doesn't, it just takes time. None of this takes money. None of it takes relocating or anything, but just make time for your, for, to invest in yourself. Thank you for all of that advice. I think that was really practical and uh, should be something that, as you mentioned, it doesn't really require any money. So hopefully easy enough for people to implement if they want to get started in this type of career or really any type of career. That's probably pretty good advice. So, <laughs> All right. I'm glad I held on to this question because you've definitely outlined a lot of moments in your life where you've taken risks and you've taken leaps to try different things to just not be that person that goes along either hoping that somebody else is going to going to do the work for you or you're going to unlock that magic level that we talked about with the video game earlier but what I'd love to know is when it comes to taking risks and when it comes to that confidence that you have to have in in order to do that so understanding like what's not the right risk to take versus what is a calculated risk like how do we get to that point like how did you get to that point where you were able to make those determinations is there some type of secret to it I had a feeling a question like this was going to come up <laughs> <laughs> I have taken a lot of risks going back to going to LaSalle uh transitioning from what was a full-time job offered to what was an internship for my that my very first job in broadcasting actually started as an internship, um, and I turned down the full-time salary with benefits job, coaching college soccer to take that internship, which eventually led to my first full-time job. Um, and even most recently um, in May, I, as of, it was official, but I, the process, of course, started before then, I quit my job. So I was working with the National Lacrosse League as a sports, as the anchor and producer, and I, after a few months... I decided it wasn't for me. You know, it wasn't helping me in the way that I thought it would when I took the job and I actually quit. And that was what I what I've known and seen from all my leaps of faith. And I'm not saying that everything has been perfect in my life, you know, like quitting my full time job with salary a salary and benefits was not easy by any stretch of the imagination to take on what became a lot of part time jobs and freelancing and things. But in the long run I've seen that with each of those jumps, it not only benefits your career, but it benefits your own personal, like your, your mental health and your and your energy. You know, like I, I was drained. And for me, what makes me decide to move on from something 
is if it if it starts to wear on me physically and my personal life. And with every with every change that I made, and even like at Lehigh, I loved coaching at Lehigh, but it got to the point where it felt like work. It wasn't exciting, you know. And and same thing with the NLO. I found myself constantly like complaining about it, and it was always on my mind, and I was I was always thinking about it and trying to figure out like why am I not happy? How can I make this better? You know, when it gets to the point that it's affecting you personally, it's probably not for you. And that goes for anything from careers to a school to a relationship. I just feel like nothing that is for you and nothing that that makes sense in your journey should be stressful. To an extent, there is stress, there is adversity, there are challenges. So don't take it the wrong way that like things get hard, I have to leave. No, if there's there's levels to it. And I think everybody individually knows how much they can tolerate. So for me, when it gets to the point of un- being intolerable, that's when it's time for me to adjust and, and take a step back. And that's what I had to do. The gray area I had this past spring when I quit my job is figuring out what's next. And I was fortunate. I picked up more with ESPN Plus, um, and I was able to do more of their college games on camera, sideline reporting in the booth. I was able to pick up um, a role with Fox Sports covering, and this was as a writer, but it actually got me more more credibility and more exposure writing articles covering the WNBA versus covering professional lacrosse on camera. So here, here I was taking a step into a direction that was like a sideways step. So now I'm writing articles, my face isn't on camera, but in the long run, it's already helped me out tremendously, you know? So you just kind of have to figure out like there, there's more than one way to get to your end goal. So don't get stuck in, in where you are now. You know, there are other ways to get there. And I had to realize that. Like, I, with every mo- with every opportunity, it was a chance for me to grow, a chance for me to be happier. I'm so much happier now than when I was working there or, you know, with any of my other previous leaps. I find myself happier. Life feels a lot less complicated. You know, it just has to be something that makes sense for you. And when you get to the point of knowing that, you know, this is now stressful and this is no longer fun and exciting, Maybe it's time to start reevaluating. It might not mean quitting. It might not mean giving up. It might just mean changing your approach or changing your role. But that's what you have to figure out. So there's no, like, again, there's no clear-cut list of what has to happen. But there are ways, and, and, and in my opinion, there are signs that you have to look for. Yes, absolutely. I always talk about how development is not linear and life certainly isn't either. So it's it's okay to have those ups and, ups and downs. And you've obviously highlighted so many positives that have come from taking some steps back every once in a while and taking mm-hmm. some scary leaps and doing different things that some people, that, you know, and it's not right or wrong, I guess. I don't want to force people or make people think that they have to be big time risk takers. But if you feel like you're, you've got that itch (laughs) and you've been in the comfort zone a little too long, that, that Uh might be the, that might be the signal that you're, you're ready to take that leap. So, uh, and, and hopefully this conversation will, will help you understand that a little bit more, but for sure. Yeah. So Renee, I'm curious to see where things go for you. I know it's going to be amazing, whatever direction that you end up taking. Oh, and you. and I know there's going to be listeners who listen to this episode and want to follow along too. So where can we find you on social media? Yeah, so I'm everywhere. But I would say my I have uh, social media and stuff from my podcast, which is Beyond the Headlines with Renee Washington, which if you search for that on any social media platform, you'll find it. 
But my personal pages, I'm at Renee P. Wash. My full name does not fit. <laughs> Renee P. Wash on Twitter. And then on Instagram, I'm Renee P. Washington. And same thing for Facebook. So you can definitely follow along or even just check out my website, which is ReneePWashington.com and get any information or stories or whatever else I'm working on. So thank you so much, though, for having me. I appreciate it. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. I'm glad you had a good time. I will put all of that information in the show notes. So that's easy reference. Renee, before I let you go, I have one last question for you. So the show is called Dynamic Leaders and you've outlined so many ways that you yourself are a dynamic leader, but I love to give my guests an opportunity to shout out somebody that was influential to them in one way or another from a leadership standpoint or just an influential standpoint in general. Is there somebody that you'd like to shout out today on the show? Oh, I have a lot of people. Um, my parents, and I know it's super cliche, but I definitely wouldn't have been able to take as many risks in life if it wasn't for their support and backing, my, my entire family, but definitely my parents. I would also have to say, well, maybe I'll just take them my parents. Don't ask for one. <laughs> <laughs> I've got a long list of people. Uh, Mark Zumoff from the Sixers. I've got Eric Jackson, who works with NBA, uh, with Turner, I should say. And then even the Shane Fitzgerald from the Bucks County Courier Times, who gave me my very first full-time job, literally created a job for me that started as an internship to help me get started in, in where I'm at today. So there have been a lot of people along the way that have stuck their, their necks out for me, so to speak, and taken a risk and chance on me. So I thank all of them. That's great shout outs to end this episode. I'm so glad that we were able to finally sync up here and get you on. I think people are really going to enjoy this conversation. So Renee, thank you again so much for taking the time today. Oh, no problem. Thank you for having me. I've enjoyed this trip down memory lane and I look forward to seeing all that you continue to do as well.